0: Would you look at that? Damn, I look good. What's up, everybody? It's me, Steven Money. It's football season, and I want you to know that you can bet on me, the STN Sports app. So sign up today and get started with me, the local favorite.
1: Vegas Nation sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. It's time for another Vegas Nation podcast. You're listening to the Raiders postgame edition. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Vegas Nation postgame edition. It's Heidi Fang. And tonight I'm joined with Adam Hill and Sam Gordon as we recap how the Raiders defeated the Los Angeles Chargers to get into their first playoff game since... 2016 that was the last time that the Raiders were able to accomplish this feat Derek Carr this time will appear like he get to play in this game as of right now I probably just jinxed everything but uh, the final score here 35-32 Sunday Night Football Raiders again take home the win and clinch their first playoff berth at Allegiant Stadium so uh, let's get into it guys it's just like the 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 finale that would never come to fruition. It seemed like it lasted forever. A lot of fourth down conversions there by the Chargers. Nail biters, so to speak. Adam, what was your initial thoughts on what was going on there in that final drive downfield where the Chargers were able to continually convert those fourth downs?
2: Yeah, it was wild. And, you know, we, we were kind of breaking it down again. And in the moment, you kind of lose track of everything that's going on. Uh, but it was fourth down and fourth down. But the, the crazy part about that drive, well, so many crazy parts about the drive. I mean, Justin Herbert was awful on one downs, one, two, and three, the whole way down the field. And then found a way on fourth. And the Raiders obviously bailed him out with a penalty on one that was, you know, Raiders get the ball back, but there's a penalty. And then uh, just crazy things are happening. But, you know, the, the Chargers get the ball with three timeouts at the two-minute warning. You should not, time should not be an issue on that drive. And it is an issue because it's 19 plays and it's so many incompletions and so many different, you know, plays that are taking time off the clock. It was it was wild and, and crazy. And um, I feel like it was one of those things that it felt like there's no way the Chargers could possibly score, and they did. And I think it, it had to feel to Raiders fans like it got away. It's over. That's it. It's done. The Chargers are going to win in, in overtime because, you know, Everything that had happened down the stretch to make that game go to overtime. How could the Raiders possibly find a way? And they found a way. And it's just what they do. I mean, they're they're gonna go into the playoffs as one of maybe one of the worst teams to qualify for the playoffs in a while. Their point differential is horrific. I think only six or seven teams over the last two decades have had point differentials as bad as they have. But somehow, some way, they're finding ways. Four straight wins down the stretch. A total of 12 points in those four games. Daniel Carlson, five walk-off wins this year. The team has six walk-off wins. You go into a season kind of expecting to, to be 500 and games that come down to the last play. I mean, that's just how things go over the long term. That's not how it's been for the Raiders. They've won every single one of those games. It's just been crazy. And I think it continues that... And I want to go back, because I'm sure people are going to get caught up in the worst team. Obviously, they've won the they won the games they have to win. If there are teams that have gone in under 500. I get that. But point differential is a major factor in how teams are kind of rated. And um, their DVOA is bad. Like, the numbers, the computer will all tell you this is not a good team. But the record will tell you they are. And, and the fact that they have persevered and fought and scrapped the way that they have my goodness. I mean the, what you know what more do you want to see out of a team to you know to just say that they are you know, deserving and and destined to be at this point.
1: And I think it was the first field goal from Daniel Carlson in overtime that just ekes through. And I think everybody there was holding their breath for a minute, like, was that no good? Was that good? It was just there uh, on the post, but it makes it through. But Sam, aside from the statistics that Adam just uh, laid down there, the Raiders did put together a decent run game in this one that helped get them going. Uh, and, And there were other things that they did well, I wanted to get your take on what you thought about Josh Jacobs' performance and what else they did well to get themselves and put themselves in this position.
3: Yeah, I, I think, you know, first and foremost, going back to Josh Jacobs, I mean, he talked after the game about he, you know, views himself as a closer on his team and wants the ball in big spots. And it was a very nondescript first half. Let's be clear. The Chargers came into this game as one of the three worst run, rushing defenses in the NFL. And... For whatever reason, the Raiders could not run the ball in the first half. It looked like the the same Raiders team that we saw earlier in the year, where there's just no holes, nothing, nowhere to go on the ground. Everything is stuffed to the line of scrimmage. But they stuck with it to their credit. And in the second half, when they needed to, you know, when they wanted to possess the ball, when they needed to 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 have drives, especially in that that overtime there, he was money. He was huge. Um, he really came to life, and I thought he kind of put a stamp and an exclamation point. Um, on this game, and, and as the stats bear out, I mean, you had, like you said, 26 carries, 132 yards, a touchdown, and even though it was very nondescript in the first half, it didn't look like the Raiders were going to be able to take advantage of the Chargers' um, leaky defense. They were able to, and I, I think that helped them um, over the long run. I think defensively, uh, it's, it's hard to remember because they were so bad on the, the last couple drives in regulation. I mean, they blew it. They tricked the 15-point lead with like eight minutes left, right? That should not have happened. But up to that point, this is a really good Charger offense with perhaps the best young quarterback in the NFL, two Pro Bowl-caliber receivers, and the arguably the best dual-threat running back in the league. And they had 14 points. Through three and a half quarters, I mean, the Raiders defensively, they were in Justin Herbert's face all night long. Uh, even on, even in those those last couple drives, I mean, those, those the, the, the throws he was making and what he was doing in the pocket, having to maneuver the pocket, high degree of difficulty stuff. So for the most part, up until those last couple drives, the Raiders were really good defensively, and um, you know they they deserve credit for that, even though they caved at the at the very end and it almost cost them the game. I mean. Every play matters, and for them, they kept that offense in check. They did. They certainly, you know, didn't have to do that. That's an offense capable of scoring forty or fifty. They've done it this season. The Raiders held them in check for most of the game. And were able to withstand those those haymakers uh, at the end. So credit where credit is due. It wasn't pretty by any means, like any of these victories. But like Adam said, they've they've they
2: closed the season on a four game winning streak, and here they are going to Cincinnati. Yeah, and and I want to point out about Jacobs because I. All the national attention right now, and I'm sitting on Twitter as we're, you know, a couple hours after the game and reflecting, all the national attention is on the Chargers calling that timeout. Um, you know, with 38 seconds left, Brandon Staley calls timeout, and Rich Bisaccia kind of indicated afterwards, well, we weren't really going to try for, for a score until they called that timeout. That, that's not true. Let, let's get that out of the way. Like, that's not the series of events that happened. It's Josh Jacobs that impacted that. It wasn't. It wasn't the timeout. What happened was the Raiders were more than happy to let the clock run. They were going to give Jacobs one more run, and then if he got enough yards, they were going to kick the field goal. And if he didn't, they were just going to take the tie. Not try a sixty-yard. Like there's no reason to try a sixty-yard field goal that could get blocked, run back for a touchdown. We get all that. But it wasn't the timeout because there was only four seconds left on the play clock. The Raiders were going to run the ball again anyway, and if they got that run, they were going to go. The the fact that Jacobs got a first down on a third and four when everyone in the entire building and everyone on the planet watching the game knew he was going to run the ball, and he still picked up a first down, that's why they kicked the field goal. It wasn't the timeout. The timeout did indicate to the Raiders... like. They're not just they're not just trying to take the loss or whatever, but the, the timeout was only called to get them in the right defense. There's only four seconds left on the play clock. They weren't going to let the clock run out. So I just want to make that clear because even on the field, everybody's showing video now. I guess Trent Sieg looks like he went up to Austin Eckler and said, um, hey, we we're trying to take the tie. What happened? That's not really what happened. Let's just let's just be clear about exactly what happened. Yeah, the Raiders were perfectly content for a tie, but they were going to give Josh Jacobs one chance to run the ball. If he got enough yards, they were going to kick the field goal. If he didn't, they were going to take the tie, and he did get enough yards. He had that dynamite run to get them into a shorter field goal.
3: And Josh Jacobs, Adam, I mean, was – Awesome as a rookie, right? I mean, you know, almost five yards a pop, over a thousand yards. Didn't even play the full season, and he kind of takes a step back last year. He was dealing with some injuries, and then this year behind a, you know, a, a, an offensive line that took quite a quite a while to gel, and maybe still isn't where they want, where the Raiders want it to be. Um, he hadn't really popped, right? He, he no hundred yard games, you know, for most of the season. But at the end of the year, when the running game, you know, you want to be able to run the ball in the playoffs. Certainly in the playoffs, you're going up to Cincinnati. There's going to be inclement weather. When the Raiders needed to run the ball. Against Cleveland, against Denver, against Indianapolis, to a degree, and of course tonight um, they came alive, and he came alive as part of that. And now you know he's back over 4.0 yards per carry for the season, and is playing some of the best football, dare I say, of his career. I mean, two 100-yard games out of his last three, and maybe he's trending that direction last week if he doesn't have to sustain the the rib injury against the Colts. So um, it, you really got the sense, we seeing the post game, how how proud he was of his performance and what this meant to him to have a hand in the Raiders reaching the playoffs after. You know, not playing, not necessarily playing to his full potential the last couple of years. And they're certainly not showing the, the the pop that we saw on a consistent basis um, during his rookie season.
1: Well, let's hear right now from Josh Jacobs, who spoke in the post game press conference. And then we'll head out to a break. Don't forget, we're brought to you by Station Casino, STN Sports. Download the mobile app today. Get a bonus of up to $100 when you sign up. And also hit subscribe while you're listening on whatever platform you're on.
0: When the four, four minute came, um, before overtime, um, I told him I was like, I, I, "I'm the closer." I mean, that's what I brought me here, here for. Let me close. And um, when we got the opportunity, they tied the game in overtime. I looked at, I looked at Oli. I said, "It's time." And um, we we collectively came together, his line, everybody, DC, everybody, and um, we just made it happen. <laughs> Would you look at that? Damn, I look good. What's up, everybody? It's me, Steven Money. It's football season, and I want you to know that you can bet on me, the STN Sports app. So sign up today and get started with me, the local favorite.
2: Honestly, all I'm thinking about is I'm excited. I'm thinking about the next team we got to play and that everything hurts you know like once I think I can get some sleep and wake up in the morning maybe it'll hit me then but I just have this weird feeling in my heart like you know the job's not done you know we, like like my favorite player Kobe said job's not done you know and uh it does feel good it's exciting but I didn't I don't set out to just make the playoffs although it's been it's been since 2016 right and I didn't even get to play um but it feels cool. It's awesome, but you know our goals. You know this is one of them, but there was more after that too. So we're excited, and we got to play a team that already beat us. You know, so it's going to be tough.
1: Welcome back to the Vegas Nation post game edition. That is Derek Carr, Raiders quarterback, talking about the playoff berth that the Raiders have clinched. Moving on to Cincinnati Bengals right now. Yeah, we're on to Cincinnati. The quote: Sam's Gilling. Everybody knows it. Uh, Patriots. Patriots said it back in the day, Bill Belichick, um, on to Cincinnati. Um, the Bengals now in the playoffs after uh, you know winning the AFC North in Week 17. This is also their first playoff berth and the first division title that they've had since 2015. So uh, they finish out on a loss to Cleveland today, uh, Sunday, as we're speaking. So it was 21-16 of them. Um, let's talk a little bit about that road ahead, Adam. And the Raiders, again, this has been a very... Un- improbable run for them to get to this point a lot of people probably don't expect them to keep winning on the road but um what about this matchup so far as you've just heard it i know we just learned about it but what about it is intriguing to you
2: well first of all before we go because i i had mentioned the point differential earlier and i want to make sure i found it before people freak out all right uh of all the teams to ever qualify for the playoffs the raiders have the fourth worst point differential in NFL history minus 65 this year is their point differential the only ones worse the 2010 Seahawks 2011 Broncos 2004 Rams they're just ahead of the 89 Steelers so just you know to be clear in the bottom you know bottom four Megan history <laughs> yeah bottom four worst point differential teams to ever make the playoffs is what I was kind of referring to earlier so um the matchup with Cincinnati we don't have to look too far because they did play uh, this year um I think a lot of people will go back and look at the score. And as we mentioned, point differential, uh, you go back and look at the score and it looks ugly. It looks like the Bengals came in here and (laughs) destroyed the Raiders. Not really the case. That was actually a game to the very end. uh, Joe Mixon kind of took over a little bit down the stretch. The Raiders had a couple of plays they could have made, just didn't quite go their way. didn't work out. And the the Bengals pulled away at the end. But um, it wasn't a dominant performance uh, by any stretch. Now, things are a little bit different. Uh, the Bengals have gotten healthy. It seemed like Joe Burrow in the middle of the season, he was hurt and then he was still kind of coming back a little bit, trying to get healthy. He has been uh, incredibly healthy looking uh, the last couple of games. He didn't play today. They got a little bit of rest. Maybe they're a little uh, out of sync. Uh, but you know this is a team that is clicking on offense without question. And the defense has been much better than anybody expected. So this is a tough matchup for sure. I know the Raiders uh, defensive backs who actually played pretty well tonight despite the, the all the points that are up on the board it wasn't like they got torched all over the place um they go into this uh into this game with a big challenge obviously you'll probably see like Casey Hayward trying to match up with Jamar Chase Jamar Chase so dangerous for the Bengals and then everybody else will try to handle you know Higgins and Uh, all the other weapons they have on that on that team Boyd is even um, you know their former top receiver now has uh, kind of become a third option and he's been very good Uh, CJ Uzama seems to have big games whenever uh, you try to cover the rest of those guys so they've got weapons all over the place and that's not even to mention Joe Mixon who was so good against them uh, last time so a very very tough matchup obviously a lot of focus this week will be on the Raiders defense against the Bengals offense but uh, Bengals defense is pretty good too the Raiders have a challenge uh, on the offensive side of the ball and Who knows who the weather will favor? I mean, I I would think the Raiders are pretty well equipped to play an ugly weather game. We saw them play up in Cleveland, although that was not a full roster. Uh, So you would think they could play in that kind of weather. But the Bengals are pretty built for it, too. They can they can pound the rock and they can run the ball. I, I think, though, maybe the Raiders would be just fine with some weather.
1: Well, let's see how that weather turns out. One of the things that was really key for the Raiders here today, Sam, was that a lot of the ex-Chargers really showed up against their former team. Um, Denzel Perryman looked a little banged up, though. Darius Phylon went out on the cart. Um, those injuries could be key if they're things that linger um, as far as Perryman's concerned. But uh, how... But you feel like the loss of Phylon could actually hurt the the front line of this uh, the defense. Well, I
3: I, I think how to me when you take a look at his last four games, right? And again, the score might not reflect that today, but what has really emerged is I mean the defensive line has really emerged as a strength for this team. They're able to generate pressure pretty regularly without blitzing and. They have, they've been pretty good against the run the last four games. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is going to, you know, he did his thing over 100 yards, but they didn't let him go for 200 or 150. And the other three, you know, you look at Denver, um, that they had their best rushing defense game of the season against Denver, kept the Browns and Nick Chubb in check. And then today, there was very little um, going on with Austin, Austin Eckler as well. And then, the Raiders have been able to affect all those quarterbacks, getting to the quarterback, pressuring the quarterback, making him uncomfortable. It's not always about sacks all the time. I think they only had, well, they have two sacks today as a team, um, two or three, but it felt like they were back there all the time, roughing up Justin Herbert. He had to p- throw 63 times and there was pressure in his face quite a bit. So we know the Cincinnati Bengals, their offensive line isn't isn't great by any means. It's It's probably the weakness of that team. Adam just talked about how great that offense is and they're doing that in spite of a, line that nece- isn't necessarily up to par with the rest of the team so you would think that matchup in the trenches defensively, the Raiders defensive front um, against Cincinnati's offensive front could go in their favor, but no question Darius on a huge loss with what he's able to do. Um, that, that depth in the interior of that defensive line has been such a key for the Raiders is really keyed this run these last four weeks. Um, that's a crucial piece that they're probably going to be without. Uh, it looked like a serious injury. Like you said, the cart came out for him. That's never good. Uh, we'll see what happens throughout the course of the week and who's, who becomes available, but you don't, you don't want to lose a, a player of that magnitude at this point in this, Season. but at the same time like this is you know this has been a long year we're on we're it's January now and teams are banged up I mean teams are going to have to deal with injuries that's nobody's really you know getting healthier at this time of year you don't see that very often so um, now I mean we'll see what happens we're gonna go out there in Cincinnati there's again inclement weather I don't think it's going to bother either team and uh, and that's why they play the
0: games.
1: Absolutely, and that was three sacks on the day, Sam. So, Adam, uh, one last thing I want to touch on before we wrap things up here. Rich Basaccia uh, a lot of people had, you know... I think doubted his ability to really lead this team. What has he done effectively to help get this team to this point, like we've been talking about, all the different storylines, everything that's happened with this team. What do you feel like Rich Masace has really done to to really get the team to rally, to get to this point, like you said, the last four games down the stretch here, to get themselves into the playoffs?
2: I mean, I think the it's it's in the question, right? It's, it's not anything he's doing strategically. In fact, I would say a lot of the decisions that he's made have been questionable uh, from a strategic standpoint, but it's more just the ability to to rally the team, to organize the team, and to keep them on the right track, and that was the most important thing for this team. I mean, they had the pieces in place. They had the coordinators that they needed in place. Greg Olson can run the offense. He basically runs Gruden's offense. Gus Bradley, of course, can run a defense. He's done it forever. He's been a head coach in the league. They can stay doing what they're going to do. And he just kind of lets them run their units, which is probably the right move when you're an interim coach. But it's the fact that, you know, things spiraled completely out of control after the the tragic accident involving Henry Ruggs, losing him as a player, but more importantly, just the emotional toll that takes on everybody in that locker room and in that building. Of course, you know, people outside the building that were truly, truly affected, but inside the building, just from a football perspective, they clearly you know, were sent into a tailspin after that. They they could not win a game. They lost five of six. It looked like the season was completely out of control. And he was somehow able to just kind of, you know, bring a calming influence. It was when, you know, when Mike Mayock said when, um when Basaccia took over that he's the best leader of many he's ever been around I mean you've kind of seen some of that it's just it's getting out there and and just kind of keeping them focused on what they had to do and they had to win basically they had to win the last four games of the season and they didn't play particularly well in any of I guess the Colts game they played the best of any of them but they didn't play particularly well in any of the four games they just found ways somehow and that's I think a a huge tribute to To Rich Passaccia. Now, that's not saying he deserves the job full time necessarily. I mean, obviously, if they're going to run the playoffs, he should be considered. I'm not I'm not making that case right now. I think that should be evaluated after the year. I'm just I think for this year's team, uh, he was kind of the perfect solution. Yeah, just a,
3: a stabilizer, Heidi, when you just kind of think about, it. you know, like Adam and I have talked, you know, kind of at length, of, you know, got different archetypes of coaches, right? Some guys lean offense, some guys lean defense. He's more of like the CEO type, you know, he's he's running, he's running, he's running the organization. He's delegating. um, He's keeping everybody's morale high. And you hear the way the players rave about him. There's a there's no doubt. There's a, a total buy-in um, from everybody in that locker room to what Rich Pasquie is doing. And, and at the end of the day, like Adam said, you know, X's and O's are what they are. You have coordinators to do that and whatnot. Um, but it's about leadership as much as anything else. And, and that's what he's doing. It's been about his leadership, and the players have responded to that. And lo and behold, they're 10 and 7, kind of against all odds. I don't think anybody uh, really predicted that. I certainly didn't think it was happen going to happen, g- given how poorly they played in the middle of the season that tailspin they hit but uh they never quit they never laid down and here we are
1: i'll tell you who predicted that hunter renfro Hunter Renfro said that once they uh, snapped out of it and, and got their first win on the road. And then he said, hey, we, we could go down the road here in the next three, and then we're 10-7. and seven. He said it. I got I got a clip somewhere around there. Where I remember he said it, but maybe not predicted it, but he said it. <laughs> anyway, so the Raiders, we walk away here, go into the playoffs, 35-32, the final score in overtime from Allegiant Stadium. For Adam Hill, Sam Gordon, I'm Heidi Fang. Thank you for listening. Keep up with all of their work in print and online at VegasNation.com and all the podcasts that we will be producing throughout the week as well as our blitz show to preview the playoffs will be out as well online all at vegasnation.com thank you everybody so much for listening
0: (laughs) would you look at that damn i look good what's up everybody it's me Steven Money. It's football season, and I want you to know that you can bet on me, the STN Sports app. So sign up today and get started with me, the local favorite.